Impact Up. Hi, and welcome to the Impact Up podcast. Here you'll hear stories of how entrepreneurs and business leaders are using technology for social good. My name is Suzanne Livingston, and I'm the Vice President of Engineering at IBM Sustainability Software. Today, you'll be hearing an interview between our host, Daryl Pereira, and Robin and Logan from Bay Boats. They're talking about building a sustainable business from the grounds up, where sustainability is at the core of what they do. Welcome, everybody. My name's Daryl Pereira. I'm a content strategist here at IBM. And really excited today to be joined by Robin and Logan from Bayboat. Hey there. Hi. Hi there. Thanks so much for having us today. All right. It's great to have you both. Let's hear uh, great to just kick things off to hear a little bit about your journey to where you got to where you are today. So um, first, maybe tell us a little bit about what Bayboats is and, and how you got to this point. So we're an electric boat rental company based in Alameda, in California, on the Oakland Estuary. And so we rent out boats to folks that want to go out and have fun, enjoy themselves on the water. How we got started is pretty straightforward. I've worked for large companies for two decades and had kind of always thought that it would be fun to be an entrepreneur. And so through lots of different ideas at Robin over the years, and we had gone out and actually, you know, experienced renting an electric boat in another location. And I kind of said, well, hey, I think this could be something that would be really good and could work really well in the estuary. I wonder why nobody's doing it. For those of you that aren't familiar with the estuary, it's this perfect, I think, underutilized body of water that you know sits between Alameda and Oakland, protected from a lot of the weather. And kind of like, you know, I, I think that this idea would work here and threw it out to Robin. And her first response was, well, write a business plan and then come back and talk to me later. So I did. And fast forward, spoke to a bunch of marinas, and she came down to where we ended up having our office and kind of setting up shop. And she could kind of see it and appreciate it and got behind it 110%. And to make a very, very long story short, that was kind of the, the origins of how Bay Boats got started. But there's a lot more to kind of fill in in the middle. Yeah. Uh, maybe Robin can jump in and share some of that. Yeah. So it was the summer of 2020. So it was kind of the midst of the pandemic. And we have three children. And so we were obviously looking for fun, creative things to do outside with them. We did a lot of hiking and biking. So when we opened Bay Boats, we you know, kind of started planning in the October of 2020, and we launched in January of 2021. So when we opened with our first boat, it was one of the first activities for many people that they were doing in the middle of the pandemic or with their loved ones. And there were a lot of multi-generational families that were coming together and having their first experience post-COVID together. And so it was wonderful to see the families having fun together, enjoying being out on the water, taking a meal usually, or celebrating a fun event. And so those were the early days of when we launched. And when we opened with our one boat, we thought, well, if we fail at this, we have a boat for our family. And so <laughs> there was really no downside. And we learned very quickly that people loved it and had an incredible time on the water. And so I brokered a deal with a company in Pennsylvania that had two used electric boats, Duffy's. And then we purchased our fourth boat from Newport 
And that was kind of the first six months of opening Bay Boats. It was a lot in a you know, fairly short period of time, but it was also a period where you know we were all going through the pandemic. And so life looked a little different. We all had maybe a little more time on our hands than we do normally. And so we kind of look back and think about it really kind of being a silver lining from that period where so much was in flux and it gave us an opportunity to try something new and different. And we kind of laugh that if we were trying to start it today, you know, I don't know if we would be able to do it because <laughs> our lives are so much busier than they were then. But thank goodness that we did yeah. because we're having a lot of fun with it. And we think that you know, we've definitely found, you know, a community and a set of folks that really enjoy kind of heading out, enjoying yeah. Bay Boats and what we do. And when we first launched too, I mean, there was a steep learning curve for everything, right? We had to find our insurance. We had to find our location. We had to order our first boat. We had to develop a website. I've never built a website before. And so learned very quickly how difficult it is to add plugins into code, but learned and did a lot of research online and had a lot of two o'clock planning sessions and stuff like that. So I think that the other thing that was really wonderful is that during the pandemic, a lot of us kind of, as Logan said, he'd always wanted to start a company. And so for us, it was something really creative that we could dive into together and really keep our minds busy. And it was something that was wonderful for our kids to see and be part of as well. It's really amazing that you're able to, you know, in the heart of the pandemic, you know, that was a time, somewhat economic turmoil. <laughs> there was a lot of businesses trying to figure out how to survive. There's a lot of businesses trying to figure out how they could adapt. But the fact that you're able to take that moment and to turn it into something, I think that really shows your entrepreneurial spirit or, you know, what it took to, to get, you know, maybe there was a slight opening that allowed that entrepreneurial spirit that you have to come through. For those folks that don't know, just um, a little bit more in terms of the electric boats that you're using and what those boats are and just a little bit about that whole electric boat space. So we have seven boats in our fleet now, and six of those seven are called Duffy's. So Duffy's are, you know, built by a company down in Southern California called Duffield Marine. In the U.S., kind of one of the pioneers in the electric boat space. And so, you know, I kind of refer to our boats as, you know, like picnic boats. They have a little five horsepower electric motor that uh, is powered by 16 wet lead acid batteries. So, you know, similar to the batteries that you have in your, your car or a golf cart. And they plug into, you know, the dock box, so kind of, you know, standard 25, 30 amp or 50 amp outlets that, uh, you know, most marinas operate with throughout the U.S. And so our boats are all 21 feet long. They're eight, nine feet wide. They hold up 10, 11, 12 folks. The Coast Guard maximum for them is 12. And, you know, people will rent them for all sorts of occasion, but usually celebrating something. So going out and you know, celebrating a birthday or grandparents are in town and you want to take the family out for a fun activity or corporate event, you know, networking. And, you know, folks will take the boats out and cruise for, you know, two, three or, or four hours. Duffield Marine's been building these for 50 years. And a couple of companies, you know, kind of spun off from them you know, with a similar concept, you know, so these, so these certainly aren't like high performance, but with your top speed is about six, seven miles an hour. I'm not an expert on this, but it was shared with us that the individual, the gentleman that founded Duffy, you know, literally the first electric boat was an old sailboat 
and he kind of took the components from a golf cart, so literally the motor and the batteries, and you know, stuck it in the sailboat hole, and the first electric boat, uh, Duffy, was born. Uh, and he was you know, cruising around Balboa Island in Newport Harbor down in Southern California. And obviously, a lot of innovation has occurred you know, just in what they do and how they built their boats, but we found them to be a great partner in product. We also have the newest addition to our fleet. It's a boat, Fantail, so built by a company called Vision Marine. Similar concept, but actually the first boat in our fleet that is not using lead acid batteries. And so it's the most technologically advanced. So we are excited because, you know, we're, we're starting, we're using technology that's, that's not new, but it certainly, I think, provides a really compelling experience. So, you know, we always say that we're a mission-driven customer experience company. So folks head out, have this really cool, unique experience, but hey, by the way, it's also sustainable and you're out right on an electric boat. So you're not taking away from the environment that you're enjoying the whole reason why you're there in the first place. You're actually being kind of net neutral, potentially even improving the environment. And that's, you know, certainly central and one of the kind of the tenets that drives a lot of what we do. But in terms of how you, so it's really interesting, you know, the fact that you're using electric boats on the estuary to preserve that estuary. But it's not necessarily that that's the main selling point or there's some, there's some benefits that come with being electric and operating electric boats. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the really wonderful things is that Logan and I, as we were starting Bay Boats, we want to leave the estuary and the environment the same way, if not even better than we found it, right? And that's the hope is that with these boats, they're very quiet and they don't emit any fumes or anything that's going to pollute the estuary or harm the wildlife. And so that piece of it is wonderful. And it's definitely one of the things that's really interesting is there's so much development happening in the electric boat space. And so there are lots of companies who are building outboard motors and other electric ferries. And there's so much technology that's kind of growing and everyone's kind of racing to come out with that in the next couple of years. So it'll be really wonderful to see just the impact that that has too. There are hydrofoil boats that are coming out and there are electric jet skis. And so the hope is that in the next 10 years that you see like a big shift in waterways and in that space. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, you, know, you kind of bring that point up. One of our customers books with us. We asked them a couple of questions just about you know, how they heard about us and which kind of unpacking, right, that question a little bit that you had. You know, one of the questions you probably should be asking, which we don't, frankly, today is, hey, did you decide to rent with us because we're sustainable, because we're environmentally friendly, because our boats are zero emissions? So maybe we want to add that to our booking flow. But based off of intuition and our experience, it doesn't feel like and it doesn't seem like most of the folks that do end up uh, heading out with us are doing so for that being like their top reason. In our experience, it's really about delivering the value proposition to the customer. And then, oh, hey, we're able to also have this sustainable element to what we do. And the fact that you're not creating carbon emissions by right, heading out and spending two, three, four hours on our boats. So when I chat with customers about, okay, so like, why did they choose to rent with us? One, price. So if you look at what the cost is of you know, heading out, renting you know, one of our boats for the afternoon, 
and you were to compare it to a lot of the alternatives that you would find if you, you know, went to go rent a boat in Lake Tahoe or, you know, some other part of the bay that was had an internal combustion motor, our rentals range between you know, three and three hundred and fifty dollars for a couple of hours out on the water. And that's considerably cheaper than what the alternatives would be. You know, she touched on also the experience. So our boats are super quiet. Sometimes, I shouldn't say a lot of times, but sometimes people will rent our boats and I don't think they know that they're electric <laughs> and they get out on them and they turn the boat on. They're like, wait, it's really quiet. Is it electric? And we're like, well, yes, it is. And that kind of gives us a whole opportunity, right? To have this conversation and to have a few, a little bit of education around it. But you've ever been out Lake Tahoe and you rented a boat to go out to me or, you know, whatever activity where well, you're out on the, it's like really noisy. And that engine is usually kind of stinky and it's not conducive to like, Hey, let's sit down and have a conversation. And everyone that heads out on our boats appreciates having the chance to interact with whoever they're heading out with. Right. It's just a different environment to head out and enjoy the people that are important in your life and to, you know, have a venue that's maybe a little different for having uh, that conversation. And you can do it with, no background noise, no fumes, and add on top of that, they're super easy to operate. They don't go very fast. So top speed is six, seven miles an hour so that anyone pretty quickly can kind of get comfortable. And I think meets what had been an unmet market need. Frankly, we didn't fully appreciate this when we got started, but if you look, a lot of companies within the marine kind of services environment are catering to like your hardcore fishermen, right? Taking people out on fishing charters or people who want like a really high performance boat and want to go like really fast up in, you know, various lakes. Nobody was kind of looking at, okay, well, just for like the occasional kind of casual person that just wants to go out and just have a fun, unique experience on the water. Nobody was meeting that need, or at least, you know, certainly here in the Bay Area. And I think there are a lot of places throughout the country where that need's not getting met. And somebody went out with us not too long ago, you know, said, well, you really kind of made this idiot. And we said, well, we want to to create and a lot of thought has gone into the experience from kind of start to finish to make sure that, you know, folks can kind of come out, get on the water and, you know, first and foremost, a safe way, but also in a way that they're going to have a lot of fun with whoever they're kind of heading out with. And all of that is completely separate from, right? It doesn't directly tie into, hey, And by the way, it's sustainable and environmentally friendly. But then when you add that element to it, I think it becomes certainly a powerful value proposition to someone looking for something to do. That's really fascinating on many levels, but especially the, like you're saying, this idea of business opportunity, you know, in terms of unmet needs, those needs, you couldn't have met those needs arguably without electric boats and without having access to you know, boats that are renewable. But I think quite often businesses will sometimes look at, well, okay, we're interested in the environment, that side of it. Let's, you know, we've got our core business here. Let's do some schemes on the periphery of that that will help the environment. Meanwhile, you've got this, I think what's the thing that stands out with the model that you have, like at the core of your business model is the idea that you have this environmental context to what you're doing. But a big part of that is around, yeah, it's pure business at the end of it, it's the experience. It's the idea of being able to offer at an affordable cost, uh, 
I'm guessing things like maybe even maintenance and some of other aspects that you have to deal with when you're dealing with like internal combustion engine boats, those go away when you get into the, not necessarily go away, but diminish in the electric space. That's all spot on. I was an environmental scientist. That's what I studied in college. And if you look today, climate change, the kind of politics and, you know, I would say the uh, number of businesses who, and individuals who acknowledge anthropomorphic, so right, human kind of cause carbon emissions or changing our environment. Where we are today is certainly not where we need to be, but we made a lot of progress where we were 20 years ago. 20 years ago, there were a number of companies, number of politicians who completely disregarded and thought that, you know, climate change was not something that was real and that was happening. And kind of fast forward, I think we've all seen just the intensity of storms, and we've seen how there are starting to become some tangible changes, right? I mean, water levels are rising, right? Ocean levels are rising. There's indisputable fact that we can all kind of see now that you say, okay, well, hmm, things are changing some. So the dialogue is starting to change. You know, I do think we're going to see that continue and go even further. But for us, it has been, I think, just a benefit to us personally knowing that this is kind of part of our ethos, part of what we want to bring and create. But as we all kind of continue to see, I think, you know, sustainability and decarbonization become more and more a focal point for individuals, you know, it's only, I think, going to be helpful for us from a marketing perspective to continue to go lean even further and further into that. But at least thus far, it hasn't been, I think, the primary reason why our customers, you know, end up choosing us. It hasn't been something that we've leaned on as our primary means of, hey, this is why you should head out with us. Although it's certainly been one of the factors that we do point out when uh, the opportunity arises. And then in terms of where the industry is heading, especially around this idea of electric boats and the technology and that side of it, like you say, you know, it's great to hear, you know, it started with these golf carts and uh, sailing boats. And now we're at this point where we are now. I know you mentioned lead acid batteries giving way to other materials and obviously a big part of any kind of EVs is the degree to which you think of storage. Where do you see the actual technology and electric boats? Where do you see that heading over the next few years? I don't want to pretend, you know, say that we've got the crystal ball on it, but, you know, so lithium, right, batteries, lithium and salt water don't mix very well. And so there's been a lot of work that I would say and research that's gone into developing batteries lithium batteries that can be operated in a saltwater environment and operated safely over the last few years. And so that seventh boat, the newest boat in our fleet, right? It's our first boat that has lithium batteries. And we kind of always sit back and we say, we think the next decade is going to be for boats and the marine industry, what the last decade has been for vehicles on the road that we all drive. And there's been a lot of startups that are out actively developing their products, their boats today, their engines, you know, their outboards today that are right on the precipice of developing boats that can go toe to toe with their internal combustion counterparts and competitors. And, you know, there's been a lot of venture funding that's going into the space as well. And so it's been really exciting for us to kind of have a seat. We're not 
actively right developing those boats, but right, we're certainly in a position where, you know, we want to continue to grow. We want to continue to expand our fleet. We want to potentially add locations. And as we think about all that, keeping a pulse on, hey, what's going on in the industry and who are going to be players that end up having the products that, you know, are the most successful. It's really exciting for us to kind of be sitting here and saying, hey, this is an industry that we're involved with that we're going to have the ability to be a part of as things we think evolve a lot here in the near term and the very foreseeable future. No, that's interesting to hear. And that's, I guess it's arguable also that we could say that the innovation that we expect to see in something like electric vehicles on water is the innovation moves a lot faster than you might be seeing for then internal combustion engine on that side where things, you know, there'll be changes here and there, but feels like as what happens in other areas of, of electrification as it relates to transport that. The innovation, especially at this point in time, is happening so much faster, whether it's the engines, whether it's the storage, whether it's, like you said, you know, even materials that are used for batteries, et cetera. So if you think about your regular passenger vehicle, that went from kind of internal combustion to many electric options today and right using lithium batteries. And so I think that you're going to have something very similar like the recreational voting market. So the average voter is buying and taking out to spend the day out on the lake or on the bay or in the harbor, you know, I think you're going to see those engines transitioning from internal combustion to lithium batteries being the main power source here over the next decade. Now, you know, you mentioned, you know, you think larger scale about, okay, well, you know, hey, we've got Oakland is one of the largest container ship, right, ports, certainly on the West Coast. And the scale and the amount of time that those boats are kind of out in the water doing a crossing it's probably going to be hydrogen fuel cells that end up, I think, being the next step in kind of evolution in in that space because from a density perspective, you're able to store a much denser amount of energy to where you could actually make it plausible to take all those that are primarily powered by diesel today. So not a very clean way of moving all those goods that are going back and forth across the ocean to a much cleaner carbon-friendly way of transporting goods. Hats off to you. During the pandemic, you're able to build a business. On the back of the pandemic, you're able to build a business coming out of that. In terms of advice that you would have for other business owners and startups and around if they're interested in the sustainability space or you know even around these kind of areas, it could even be around electric transportation, what advice would you provide? Be patient with yourself. There's always more to learn. And every year, you know, we kind of look back, especially our busy season is from May to October. So we kind of take the fall and the winter to go back and say, well, what can we do better? And what can we learn? And how can we have better practices in place? And be patient with yourself because there are always, especially as an entrepreneur or any small business owner, there are always a million things to be done. And so just be patient with yourself and ask a lot of questions. Lean on people who've done it before or like Logan mentioned, we're not experts in what's happening within the electric boat space and the larger industry. And so ask a lot of questions, read a lot, absorb as much as you can. And I think all of those things will help you to kind of have a better foundation for whatever you're building. We kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but a couple pieces of advice. So one is I don't think the customer wants to buy sustainability. If you're leading with, hey, 
we've got some sustainable product you can use, but in all the ways that the customer uses it, it's less good than the alternative that's not sustainable. I don't think you're going to get very far with that product. I think what you really have to start with is, okay, what's the problem that the customer has? You are trying to develop a solution for and develop a solution that's better. And if you can deliver that solution in a sustainable fashion, that's kind of the holy grail. Like there's no emitting carbon. If right, we just take a step back, there's, there's no cost of that today. Right. And well, you, know, you can make arguments about, okay, well, where do we go in the future? And is there going to be carbon passports? And are, you know, we're going to be, you know, more as a society intentional about that. But today, all of the sustainability steps that companies are taking are all voluntary. And for that matter, right, if you, even at the government level that countries are taking are all voluntary. There's no kind of enforcement mechanism penalizing company or country. They're not adhering to whatever their sustainability targets and metrics are. And so a company that embraces sustainability and is going to you know, not contribute to emissions and our carbon footprint, the company's carbon footprint on the environment, you kind of have to internalize that and make it be part of what you're building, but not this is what I'm selling to you, customer. But if you can kind of deliver all those things that we talked about earlier in terms of value proposition, and oh, by the way, you're able to check that box then that's right how I think collectively we're all going to move things forward while we figure out how do we, just from a regulatory perspective, we get more intentional about building carbon emissions and the cost of those emissions into all the things that we do and products that we use every day. You know, and then just a couple of things, you know, one, choose a great partner. So I'm very fortunate that, you know, my business partner is my wife (laughs) and we've had a lot of fun, you know, doing this together, but it's really, really difficult to start a company. And you're going to face a lot of adversity. Like when we first were getting started, I literally called every marina that operated on the Oakland estuary to ask them about, well, hey, would you be open to us opiate? Would you have space for something like what we're thinking about doing? And the vast majority just ignored me completely. A couple were interested in having a conversation, but were not very helpful. And, you know, we're actually kind of discouraging. And it was like, oh, geez. And you kind of would get a little... Expect to hear no a lot. (laughs) And get comfortable with that and say, okay, well, how do I solve the problem? Expect to fail a lot and then do better and learn and grow and build, right? That's what we've done the last three years. It's like you learn, you build, you grow, you fail, you learn again, and you just keep going. And I was going to add one more thing for anyone who's starting a company and they want to create in a space that is sustainable, I think it's even as simple as your paper trail that you're leaving behind, right? Like everything that we do, we have QR codes for, which a lot of businesses do now. But when we first opened, that was kind of a newer concept. And so just little things that you can do as a company to kind of not have as much waste. Like We use a lot of spray bottles, obviously, to clean our boats. And so obviously getting refillable jugs that we can use and just reuse over and over again so we're not throwing away a lot of plastic. There are always things that you can kind of do to make your business, to be thoughtful about the environment and be more mindful about that. That's the secret to partnership and a marriage, I'm guessing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's right. Leave it there. 
Well, it's impressive uh, what you guys have been able to achieve in such a short period. Your comments in terms of you're going to hear no's, you're going to have to, you know, you have to look for solutions, don't accept the no's, don't move through those, as well as what you're doing in terms of how you continually think about the operations and how you can cut down a waste in those areas. That's all powerful stuff. So like any startup, uh, your time is incredibly valuable and you've donated that time today to help explain your story and to share a little bit about what it takes to do what you do and to run a very successful electric boat company here in California. Definitely wish you all the best for what I'm sure will be future success and maybe a global mission at some point. But at least, you know, I'm sure you'll be part of this growing area that, that you've highlighted for us today. You know, we all see how EVs are taking over our streets in all forms of electric transportation, but their degree to which and what can happen on water as well as some of the, you know, the finer points to that, which, which I'll say I, I wasn't aware of before we had this conversation. So appreciate and thank you both for taking the time out and um, we'll be sharing more details. If anyone wants to check out Bay Boats, go check them out and look for them coming to a court near you sometime soon. Thanks, Daryl. What we just heard about Bay Boats, such an interesting story. To start a new business during COVID is an incredible accomplishment and a lot of bravery, but also starting one where they're centered around sustainability as a part of what they deliver and a part of what their customers experience day to day. What was unique about this for you, Daryl? One thing that stood out for me from this particular story is this overlap between this idea that sustainability, sometimes we don't see the real business potential of sustainability. We think of it as something, I now see many businesses that might put sustainability, maybe they put it into their marketing organization, maybe they look at side projects that they can run with their employees. The fact that for Bayboats, this was fundamental to their business model. There's a big part of it, this idea of being electric. And it feels like that piece of it is an important part of the story. Unbelievable, because you know what we're seeing with the data that we collect from the different organizations we work with is that when you're putting sustainability in the center of your operations, you're not just spending money on sustainability initiatives, you're actually growing your business. So time after time, we're seeing examples where companies who are leading the way, they're trailblazers in sustainability initiatives, are the ones who are driving more growth in their bottom lines and in their top lines. So what we've done with IBM is we've said, okay, let's look at sustainability not as a just a top-level initiative that a group is going to go solve for for a company, but let's look at what we can do at the operational levels of our organization, the supply chains, the manufacturing systems, the real estate that you're using, the facilities that you have, the asset management technologies that you're using, the assets that you're running, all the way to like the pumps, the compressors, everything in your organization down to the lowest levels of operations. And where do you have waste and where can you reduce that waste and where can you improve efficiency? So that's been a key driver to the success of many businesses, as well as government agencies who are trying to focus on sustainability initiatives. And then as we're talking about this, as this is business, 
Where does this, like, where do you see this sitting and who are the stakeholders involved within our clients that when, when you're working with these folks? Because obviously you're approaching this in terms of driving these efficiencies using IT systems and that side of it. But then when it comes to the business potential and you know, how you realize some of those pieces, what areas of business are you working with? Certainly the role that is uh, most commonly associated with sustainability is the chief sustainability officer. Not every company has selected someone to be in that role, but we have seen that as a growing profile over the last few years. I would say the two that probably have the most influence over sustainability initiatives, even if there is a sustainability officer, are folks who are like your CIOs or your COOs. Between information and operations, it's a lot of what you need in order to just get a baseline. Imagine you're a manufacturing company. You want to know, like, what is my footprint today? Like how much, how much carbon am I emitting into the environment today? How do I know that off of the systems that I have? So I'm going to work with my chief information officer who's going to have access to the data that runs all of the systems. And I'm going to work with the chief operations officer on identifying the areas of operations that are the most likely offenders, but then also use the data to identify areas where we can make improvements. So I think between those three roles, we see a lot more progress happening. Certainly CEOs get involved, certainly your know, lines of business get involved, especially when they are sustainability driven lines of business. For example, some of the retailers we work with have a mission to share with consumers that the products that they are buying are sustainable. And so they go through a tremendous effort to collect data about the process of creating that product all the way from raw materials or even raw ingredients through to the final product. And so, you know, those heads of lines of business, those ones are really focused on sustainability from their perspective, either to grow consumer adoption of their products or share that type of information. But definitely data and definitely operations. Those are the two areas that can make the most impact in the sustainability initiatives for an organization. Thanks so much for having me and for this great story. This is the Impact Up podcast. Catch us next time.